All right. All right. What's up, River Glen Church family? So glad to be with you all. We are so excited as I represent City of Light Church, a multi-ethnic, multicultural church there that serves Milwaukee and the Wauwatosa area. So excited to be with you. It's hard to believe, as Ben said, that it's been six years already. And we're just, we're just so thankful. Yesterday we had an opportunity uh, to serve and love on our community. Uh, we were out providing food, providing entertainment, some wellness activities, and that kind of thing out in the Sherman Park area. And we're so thankful for even the commitment that River Glen Church has made over these past few years. So why don't you all give yourselves a hand for all that you have done to help further the mission of City of Light Church as well. All right, so I'm, I'm here today, and uh, I want to just introduce my family to those that, that may not be familiar with us. And so it's, it's four of us, myself and, and Jojo, who we've been married for 18 years. And then the, the littlest addition, the newest addition to our family is little Josie. She's three years old right now. She's looking a little timid, but she's not at all in real life. And then we have uh, Layla, who is eight years old, and we basically cloned her. So we just took my face and everything and just put it on her, right? <laughs> and so that's, that's our family. And, you know, a few months ago, little Josie, she was playing with this, this little toy that I wanted so badly when I was a kid. And this little toy was uh, called a light bright. Anybody familiar with light brights? And so we have one here. We have one of the classic models here. But uh, basically what a light bright is, it's a, an electronic toy, and it has tons of just, just holes in it. And then you get these little colored pegs, and you're able to place the pegs into the light bright, and you get a pattern. And so you're able to follow that pattern similar to like a puzzle or something like that, and you're able to make these, these different pictures, right? So Josie, she was playing with a, a light bright, and it took me all the way back to my childhood because, you see, a light bright was one of the toys that I wanted so badly one Christmas. I was about six years old, and I told my mom, Mom, I want a light bright for Christmas because the commercials were everywhere. And for those of you all that have little ones, you know that when a, a fresh commercial for a toy comes out, that's all they want to talk about, right? And so that, that was me. And so I told mom, I said, I want this, this light bright. And so we were at a store, and I saw a box with the light bright logo on it. And I was like, Mom, that's the one. That's the one that I want. And so what she did was she said, all right, Brian, I'll get that for Christmas if you're, you're good, right? And so you know how we do. We promise we'll be good, even though in the back of our mind we know we, we've, uh, we're up to some uh, mischievous activity anyway. But so she, uh, she got the light bright, but she did this thing that some of us might be familiar with. She put it on layaway. Now, layaway is when you get the thing, but... They keep it at the store until you, you finish paying for it. So I had to wait a couple of months in anticipation 
for this light bright. So I remembered then, fast forward to that, that Christmas that year, and I knew exactly which box it was under the tree. And when that morning came, I ripped open that, that, uh, that light bright box, and you know what I discovered? It was just the templates. It was only the templates. There was no light bright device in there. It was just the templates. And as you could imagine, as a six-year-old kid, like I was devastated, right? And I remember that so vividly as now little Josie, years later, is actually playing with the real toy. And as I was sitting there, it's like God took me back to my childhood, but he had an important revelation and reminder for me that Sometimes you'll get a template and you think that the template is insignificant. But then he began to remind me of my mother's walk with God and how that was a template even for me. And how that template was not insignificant, but that template of a woman of God that loved God even when times were difficult, when things were hard that she stayed the course, that she held on to the heart of God, that that template is the reason why I am walking with God the way I am today. And so I want to encourage you that sometimes you may feel like there are insignificant moments in your life, pieces to a puzzle when you actually wanted the real thing, but God can still use those small beginnings. The prophet said, do not despise the day of small beginnings, that those small things can still be used as seed that will eventually grow into a harvest, not only for you, but for generations to come. And so I want to talk to us today about that, because as I was reflecting on this, this template and this, this seed, if you will, that my mom planted in my life, I'm reminded also of where we are today when we consider ourselves in, in culture and as a nation that there are many that are giving up. There are many that are finding themselves under the pressures of life, under, under the pressures of day-to-day -day activities that they are feeling like they are too weak to go on. But I'm here today to encourage you and to let you know that although you might be feeling tired, although you might be feeling weak, that God has not forgotten about you. And I believe that we're going to dive into some, some fresh revelation from God that will help us to hold on even when times get tough. I'm here to encourage you. You can't give up now. Why don't you look to the person next to you? You know, we do this in my church sometimes and say, you can't give up now. You can't give up now. Come on, help me out. I promise you. You help me out a little bit. We'll, we'll have a good time in here today. And so, so Jesus, he had a parable, a spiritual story that he gave to his followers that 
he explained using farmer's terminology. And now I'm not a farmer, but I Google. Anybody else in here Google? And as I was reading this parable, I was understanding just the mastery of language and just the wisdom of Jesus and how he was ex explaining in Matthew 13 about this seed that was being spread in different places and how the seed that was being spread in different places was falling on different kinds of ground, representing different kinds of heart, and the seed being the word of God that once it was rooted in the right soil, would actually produce a harvest that would remain. And so in Matthew 13, Jesus, in the first few verses, he was talking about this seed that this farmer was spreading, and it went on into a place or onto a place that was called the wayside. In some translations, in other translations, it was just simply a path a place where many people walked, and this particular seed, it did not take root because the birds, they came to eat it. And then he goes on, and he shares another place of soil of heart that we're going to investigate today. It's found in verse 5, beginning at verse 5, and it reads thus, some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. So Jesus is explaining this kind of heart condition and what he is, is, is talking about, the context behind this is that people's hearts are failing. That people's tenacity, their, their drive to move forward under pressure seemingly they're, they're falling apart. People are giving up before experiencing God's full promises. And Jesus is describing a shallow heart condition. Now, we know any shallow people. Anybody know any shallow people? These are, are the kind of people that, that feel like the, the world just revolves around them, right? These are the, the kind of people that feel like manipulation is the way to get what they want. Some people call these individuals narcissists, right? Anybody work with anybody like that, right? Now, if you're sitting next to somebody like that, don't look to the left or to the right. Just look straight forward and, like, blink twice and let me know <laughs> so you don't get in trouble this morning, all right? So as I was, I was considering this, this shallow heart condition that Jesus was, was speaking of, I was reminded of his disciples and how his disciples would soon die deaths that were excruciating, but because they loved God so much, they went through it, they became martyrs for God. And that how now in, in 2022, sometimes someone says the wrong thing to us. If they cut us off in traffic, uh-oh. If they, they, they do something that we don't like, we're ready to throw it all away. That Jesus is describing the shallow heart 
condition. Now, there are parallels between natural soil conditions and the heart. And I want to talk about some of the effects of seed and shallow soil. Let's talk about some, right? The first one is this. The, the seed, if it is too uh, shallow or it's on the top, we know that if it's too close to the surface, that seed often dries out, right? Has anybody over the last few weeks or months or so felt a little dry? Now, if you're anything like me, there have been times in my life and times in my walk where I felt like, God, are you, are you still there? God, are you with me? I'm going through some things, God, and I just need to know. I don't need to hear an audible voice, but I need a, a sign from heaven. I need somebody or something to drop some manna from heaven or something and let me know that, that you are there. But sometimes that shallow place is causing us, causing our lives to be dry. Other times when you have a seed that is in shallow soil, there are pesticides that can get to that seed and that can poison that seed or make it toxic. In the world today, because we have so many different distractions and so many different outlets and seemingly most of what we see across social media, most of what we see on our televisions, most of it just seems like it's just doom and gloom and bad news. And many times that, that negativity can seep into our soil and into our hearts and affect our seed if we're not careful and we find ourselves being bitter and angry and, and snappy and, and short with others. Shallow soil. Shallow soil. Now, if we'll admit it, sometimes, you know what, we've been, we've been just, we've just been too shallow. Been shallow. We've seen people that one moment they'll get excited about a job and, you know, they'll be on it. The next moment, somebody else, they'll be excited about an exercise routine. Anybody had those uh, beginning of the year goals and now here we are in August <laughs> and we've decided that uh, those donuts do look pretty good instead. I've been there, I, you know, I, I had an a, a apple fritter last night. Y'all pray for me. But, <laughs> but sometimes we can, we can just be, be too shallow. We commit to prayer. We commit to outreach. We commit to serve. And then those that are counting on us, they look up and we're nowhere to be found. So how is it with so many different distractions? How is it with so many different things that are pressing on our lives? How do we stand under the pressure of our promise? Because God gives us a promise in his seed. He promises us that we can be fruitful, that we can leave experience, and that we can leave something for others to be able to eat from, even long after we're gone. So how do we stand 
up under the pressure of this, the promise. See, the, the thing is this, and it's in, in one word, and I'll say it, and it's called expectation, right? Now, here's the thing. The spoken promise, it often precedes our character development. The expectation is this. Sometimes we expect that when God gives us a word or, or God gives us a promise that it is to happen right away, but many times it is the difficulty, many times it's the struggle that forms us and matures us into individuals that can stand under the pressure of our blessing. If we're honest, we're not ready to take on the promise when we first hear about it. But it's actually God's introduction in what he wants to eventually give us. And so for others, we find that what exposes you to your assignment also reveals you to your adversary. You see, Jesus, and I'm reminded in the Gospels when John baptized Jesus and he was in the water and, oh my goodness, God was speaking from, from heaven and Holy Spirit came down like a dove and God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Wasn't that just a beautiful scene that was described? But then right after, Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You see, the struggle, the hardship, it will make us and mature us into believers that can stand under the pressure if we allow it. But if we run at the sight of difficulty, we'll never get to the place where we are rooted deeply and able to provide fruit for others to eat from for generations. You see, another temptation is to leap before we look, right? It's to leap before we look. Romans 12, verses 6 and 7, there the apostle Paul, he's writing to the Roman church, right? And he's letting them know just in a few verses before verse 6 that, look, it's important for you to not think more highly of yourself than you should. It's important for you to understand that each one of us has gifts, each one of us has talents, each one of us has purpose, but it's important for us to be so connected to God so that we're able to understand that, look, I can do this, but I can't do that. Let me help you. I've, I've learned that I, I'm, I like to cut hair, but trust me, you don't want me to cut your hair, <laughs> right? So I'm not going to think of myself more highly than I should because you'll be mad at me if I cut your hair, <laughs> right? So here in Romans 12, 6, here's what the Apostle Paul says. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. You see, Paul is describing a process to get us to that mature place where we can actually receive the promise that God has for us. 
2 Timothy 2.15 in the Amplified Version of the Bible says this, Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved. A workman tested by trial. Somebody say tested by trial. Who has no reason to be ashamed. Accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. See, the Apostle Paul is explaining here that it's important for us not to leap before we look. It's important for us to wait. It's important for us to wait until you're rooted. Now, wait doesn't mean do nothing. Wait means be teachable. It means to be diligent. It means to be on time. It means to be dependable. You know, Matthew 13, Jesus goes on and he describes what he was saying a little further with this parable of the seed and the soil. Matthew 13, verse 20 says this, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, They last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. And so that speaks a little bit of more of what I was saying when I talked about your that opportunity for growth or advancement often exposes you to the enemy. Understand that there are certain things that you are going through if you are a believer in Jesus that are coming because you have put that stake in the ground and you said that I will serve God. I will not go back to my old life, but I will follow him. And so there is some adversity that comes because of that, but you can stand through it and you can make it. Here are three reasons to wait till you're ready, to wait till you're ready. It's also known as how not to be shallow. (laughs) The first reason is that priorities become clear, that your priorities become clear. When you wait, you begin to understand what your gift is and what it is not. I'm so thankful for the years in ministry that I've experienced and being able to to serve others. You know, when I look back and when I I grew up in, in church, I was in various departments, various teams. But when I look back, I'm thankful for it. Whether I was on production or whether I was singing in the choir or on the worship team or whether I was running cables uh, to help with IT, whatever it was, it helped me to understand and hone the gift that God has given me and understand that I'm not going to just jump out here with a Bible and a briefcase and just go out here, but instead I'm going to wait because I understand what my gift is and what my gift is not. Isaiah 40 verse 31 takes us deeper into this concept of waiting. Verse 31 says this, but they that wait upon the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You see, the the prophet Isaiah, just prior to this, he, he describes this condition that young people may still get weary and and, and faint and utterly fall. But those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Now, it's interesting, this phrase of wait upon or they that wait upon uh, the Lord. And when you look at that particular phrase in Hebrew, there is this connotation of a binding together, almost like when you braid multiple strands of hair together. Those that wait, those that bind themselves to God will renew their strength. When I think about binding myself to God, I think about waking up in the morning and having those post-it notes with with the the God-given goals or scriptures posted up on my bathroom mirror so that as I'm brushing my teeth, I'm seeing the Word of God. I'm thinking about when I get in my car, getting ready to go into the office, that I'm listening to worship music and allowing Holy Spirit to speak to me about what the day will unfold. I think about binding myself to the Lord and keeping my heart, my mind focused on Him. Because during the day, there will come challenges. There will come things that will be unexpected. But because I have waited, bound myself to the presence of God. That I'll have the strength not to give in, not to quit. Because his strength becomes my strength. The second reason to wait till you're ready is you develop endurance. You develop endurance. You see, perseverance is persistence under pressure. It's not persistence under comfort. Now, we've already talked about how the challenges and the trials that will will come in life, they come to us all. But when you decide that God, no matter what, I am sticking to you, and if I fall down, I'm getting back up, and I'm going to to stay before you, God, until you fix me and work on me. Anybody need God to fix them and work on them in here? That, God, I'm going to allow you to fix me and work on me until I am the mature believer that you have called me to be. It's that persistence that develops into endurance and into character when we decide not to leap before we look, but say, God, I'm going to wait on you. Because you see, serving others is, it's dirty work. You know, when we examine these parables, there's a lot of talk about dirt. And For some of us, you know, we have different thoughts about what dirt is, but we consider this context, oftentimes this this dirt that we need, some of us need little dirt in our life. Dirt is life lessons. Dirt sometimes is failure. Dirt is dealing with your own flaws. Dirt is people that you trusted in lying on you sometimes. Dirt 
It's when people talk behind your back. Dirt is you being the center of the tea or the gossip sometimes. But while you're waiting, that difficulty, it builds capacity in you to handle tough things. And I want you to say this. I want you to say, I can do tough things. I can do tough things. I can do tough things. It's in me because God is in me. The third reason to wait until you're ready is you develop compassion for others. We all know of someone in our lives that it's their way or the highway, right? Somebody in our lives that there is no other way that's right except for their way. They don't see it any other way. And if you don't, if you don't see it the way they see it, then you're, you're clearly wrong. But when you wait, when you wait, when you spend that time with the Lord, you begin to understand that, you know what? We all need grace. Anybody in here needed grace this week already? We all need grace. And when you take the time to say, God, before I launch out into the deep, I'm going to connect with you. Before I launch out into the deep, I'm going to understand what my call and what my purpose, what my gifts are. God helps you with this thing called empathy. If you've been through something, you know what? You can feel other people's pain. Too much black and white and no grace yields a person that is untouchable, yields a leader that really people can't depend on or want to connect with or share. Live life long enough and you'll realize how much grace you need as a Christian. Trust me. And so, it's important for us today, and we're preparing to pray after this last point. It's important for us to acknowledge our depravity outside of God. It's important for us to acknowledge also who you are as God's child. So Jesus gives us this word written in the gospel according to Luke that helps us to see this is what it looks like to be rooted. Luke 6 verse 47 says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. You see, God wants us to be whole and ready to produce fruit that remains that last. Will you be the template for someone else's life to be patterned after? Let's pray. 
God, we thank you that you have shown us a way to stand under the pressure because we all have pressure. We all have significant life circumstances that sometimes, if we're honest, make us want to just give up. But Jesus, we don't want to be like that heart condition, that, that seed that was thrown in rocky places where we get excited for a moment. But then when the trials come, when the challenges come, we give up. But Lord, we thank you that you have given us pattern, that you have given us principle and shown us what happens when we wait. You've shown us that when we wait, when we trust, when we lean on you and acknowledge our inability to do anything without you, but in you and through you, our ability to do all things, that you renew our strength. And so, Father, today, we pray for strength renewal. We pray, Father, that we would not leave this place without you touching the very points in our lives that need your supernatural grace. God, we thank you for doing it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.